Hello, my name is Zach Miller, and uh, this is episode two of the Aero School for Men Practical Man Training. I thought I would take some time to explain the background, the foundation, the focus of what Aero School for Men stands for. When I was a kid, I thought I would become a man when I grew older, when I grew 18 or 25 or 30, maybe when I had kids, when I was married, when I got that first job that was after college. But as I went through college, I realized that there were still boys around me. There were some men around me, but there were a lot of boys. And when I graduated from college and I was in the Air Force and I looked around, I once again saw a lot of boys. And at the church that I'd be at, I saw some men, I saw a lot of boys. And I started to realize that you can be a boy when you're five or 10, like my son right now, Zion, he is 10 years old and he's a boy. He has some aspects of him that are manly, but mostly a boy. But I see boys that are five and 10 and 15 and 35 and 55 and 75. And that's what really led me uh, to start the Aero School for Men. And that's the question I want to pose to you. Are you a boy or a man? Do you want to be a man? And one of the best questions I've ever been asked in my life is uh, by a mentor of mine. His name is uh, Robert Butler, Bob. And I hope they'll have him on the Air Force School for Men uh, shortly. But he asked this question. It's really deep of what do you want? Because if you want to continue as a boy, there's nothing I can say to convince you otherwise. But if you desire not to stay a boy... If you desire to be a man, I can help you. And so that's the main background of, of why. And over the years, the Lord has grown me as a man. Uh, I'm a man because the Lord has said that I'm a man, and the Lord has grown me. And yet I act in boyish ways every once in a while. But this one definition that I really want to focus on and and we'll come back to, and this is this is the heart of uh, the Aero School for Men is a man provides and protects spiritually, f- emotionally, and physically. And so really in that, there's actually six things. So a man provides and protects spiritually, a man provides and protects physically, and a man provides and pr- uh, protects emotionally. So in all those things... You can try to get really, really wrapped up in all those, but but more so is my challenge to you is how strong are you spiritually? How strong are you physically? How strong are you emotionally? And are you using that strength for yourself or for the Lord and for those that He's put in your life? And so we'll delve more into it. Um, specifics about that. And and one of the main things I feel that's on my heart is to give you, if you want to be a man, to give you practical steps to to grow. Uh, I love how Dave Ramsey has very practical methods to say, if you're in debt, this is how you get out of debt. And he gives you a step-by-step. And so to the boy out there that recognizes and has the humility to recognize yeah, I'm still a boy, or in areas of my life, I'm still a boy. 
I want to show you from the word and from the the wisdom that God has shown me and these other men who have mentored me over the years to give you practical steps to grow into manhood. But to give you a little background about myself, uh, on the last episode, uh, we I interviewed my father and and he told some of his background and and uh, of how he came to know the Lord and how he grew as a man. And one of the things he really talked about was stability of that as a boy he did not have stability. Um, in his own heart, and uh, and he was very aimless and couldn't hold a job more than three months. But as he walked with the Lord, and as the Lord sanctified him, as the Lord showed him that he was a new creation, uh, he grew in so many different ways, and uh, he's a man I respect the most to this day. So, a little background about me. Uh, I am actually the second of uh, five children to my parents, Dennis and Chris Miller. My older brother, Keith, is an attorney uh, down in uh, Arizona with his wife and four children. Then myself. Then I have a brother, Paul, who's actually my technical expert and is uh, helping me uh, start this podcast. And then I have a sister, Annie Laurie, who is a creative um, production designer. She does things with film and um, television and um, pretty much can do anything. And then my youngest brother, Arthur, uh, he still lives at home. He is 25 years old. He has Down syndrome and lives with my parents still. So we grew up uh, both in Washington State and Missouri. Uh, My father was an associate pastor of a small rural church in eastern Washington and had not gone yet to a seminary. So when I was a year and a half, we moved down to Springfield, Missouri, And um, he went to seminary, and that's where I really grew up until I was about 12. Um, I would say I was probably your pretty average boy. Um, Loved to be outside, loved to play sports, uh, all sorts of sports, basketball, uh, baseball, football. Uh, I was always into digging and taking things apart. And I only later... uh, in life, learned how to put them back together, but uh, I would find old lawnmowers and would take them apart. Um, I love things about war and um, machinery and stuff like that. And then uh, when I was eight, specifically, I really um, decided I wanted to be a fighter pilot. And that'll be more of my story over uh, the next few podcasts. You'll hear more about that. But uh, I got a book about the Thunderbirds, the United States Air Force Demonstration Squadron. And they flew the F-16s, and I saw that age eight. And uh, a funny story is I convinced my parents to take me to the Air Force recruiter's office as an eight-year-old. Uh, I don't know too many other eight-year-olds that have done succeeded in this, but my parents obliged, and I asked uh, the recruiter, um, how do I fly these planes, these F-16s that I see the Thunderbirds flying? He's like, well, you have to go to the Air Force Academy. And at age eight, I decided I'm going to go to the Air Force Academy. And uh, that's a whole nother story. But uh, grew up, uh, we were homeschooled, um, interacted with all our neighbor kids, did so many different sports and activities. I don't feel like I was lived a very sheltered life, but a little bit. And I grew up in Missouri. And then uh, when I was about 12, my parents moved back to Washington State uh, to the Tri-Cities where my uh, grandparents were getting a little old. And uh, my dad had, is the oldest of um, six uh, children. And so he went to be back and for us to be around our cousins and be able to help out with his parents in their old age. 
And so from age 12, so I went through middle school in the Tri-Cities, went through high school, and eventually ended up uh, at the Air Force Academy. So uh, that eight-year-old uh, convinced his parents to let him go. Um, but along the way, I played football. Uh, I wasn't, was never that skilled uh, player, but I had a lot of heart. And so I played defensive end. I uh, really enjoyed that. I also did Civil Air Patrol, which is a little bit like Boy Scouts for the Air Force, a little bit like JROTC, if you're familiar with that. I learned a lot of things about leadership in Civil Air Patrol, uh, a lot about followership and how to work with others, and had some amazing opportunities. But like I said, I ended up going to the Air Force Academy. And uh, while I was there, I actually was um, blessed. It's a whole another story, but I was on the parachuting team, the Wings of Blue, the parachute team Wings of Blue. And so I'm a pit wob, if any of you actually knows what that is. Uh, but I had the opportunity to jump out of planes for almost three and a half years. And from there, I went off to pilot training and... Um, and everything in my life pretty much had gone to plan until pilot training. Uh, I met my wife just shortly before going off to pilot training. And in the middle of pilot training, God really led me um, in, in an interesting way. I just remember it was the week before I was supposed to get married, and God just said, get ready. Just gave me the, this impression in my heart that something was going to change. And I ex- imagined that was marriage. Um I didn't imagine that that my dream of flying fighters my whole life was what he was really saying, get ready for. And along the way, I'd made many choices to be a man. I'd made many choices to surround myself with mentors and read a lot and, and always had a hunger to grow as a man in so many different ways. But I'd never really had a major failure. I'd maybe made mistakes at points and everything like that, but everything usually worked out. And, and actually, the opposite, I felt I had an amazing amount of grace, maybe unmerited favor. Um, one of the examples is, is I never missed an airplane, uh, an airline flight ever. Uh, I could be the latest one getting to the plane and somehow I'd always make it on. Uh, certain things just worked out for me. And yet, in that next season, uh, it was like right as soon as I got married, I transitioned from the T-37 jet trainer to the T-38 jet trainer, which was the first really fast aircraft I'd ever flown. And um, and something changed at that moment, and and God really enabled me to, to struggle. He enabled me to be humbled. I'd struggled to get through the rest of pilot training, barely made it through. Um, they let me, uh, go supposedly going to go fly fighters, but I failed out of a follow-on course called IFF and I'll give more, more into that at another point. But, um, all of a sudden my dream of being a fighter pilot, I was supposed to go fly 15 C's, the mighty Eagle. Um, they fell apart and I went at age 23, I went through an entire court case to basically stay a pilot, to remain a pilot. And that was a devastating uh, time of my life. Um, I lost a dream. I lost um, kind of what I thought was my identity. And um, in the next two and a half years, I was married and we had our first kid. I was bitter and and uh, really wrestled with God. Usually was wrestling against God, um, but he is so faithful. And uh, through many of the men that I hope to interview, including my father, like I already have, the Lord uh, had surrounded me with godly men. 
And um, if you don't get anything more out of this whole podcast is surround yourself with godly men and be teachable. Listen to them. Seek them out. Seek wisdom. Seek truth. Listen to their stories. They might tell you the same story over and over. And if they do, you probably should listen to it because it's probably really important. But the Lord was gracious. And between um, between what uh, my father and his counsel and Bob Butler and, and others, the Lord just showed me that he was closer and he was the true father that I that I truly desired and yearned for and to be in fellowship with him. And so for the last 16 years, uh, I've been a pilot, um, both in the Air Force and outside the Air Force. Uh, currently, I'm married to my wife, Kaylee. Uh, I have three kids, Keziah, uh, she's almost 13 years old. Zion, he's 10, my uh, only son. And then my youngest daughter, Keisha, is seven. And... Um, and all along, I just continued to, to study manhood, um, to let the Lord teach me. And uh, I've been blessed in the last year and a half to actually start a program here through our church called Adventure Discipleship Training. And in that, um, really been focusing with uh, young men, 7th grade through 12th grade, on the whole thing of that a man provides and protects spiritually, emotionally, and physically, and, and working that out. And um, over the years, I've had the opportunity to teach many different Bible studies and work with so many different people and, and provide life coaching and mentoring to, uh, to many different men. And, and all that, the Lord has just said, hey, Zach, I want, you to, I want you to write about this. I want you to speak about this. So I'm being obedient to what the Lord is leading me to do. So all that to say, I want to teach one concept and I just bring it to your attention. Uh, it's something currently I teach a pilot training. I am get the opportunity of taking, we call them civilians, but really the other Air Force officers, but that know next to little about airplanes. And over the course of about 13 months, 12 to 13 months, depending upon uh, the weather and everything else, uh, we teach them and we train them to be pilots. And what training is, it's different than school. So I said, like, I went to the Air Force Academy. So it's a prestigious, like an Ivy League college, has amazing core curriculum, two and a half years of just, everyone takes the same two and a half years of education, and then you only get a little bit of your, ma your major. But training is different than school. And school, you learn a uh, set of... Um, facts and you learn some material and maybe even some thought process and you take tests on it and you maybe do projects and you demonstrate your understanding of it. And then you build upon that and you take a final and you're done with that. And you build upon it and you take a final and you're done with that. Eventually you graduate and they give you a diploma. But we don't call it pilot school. We call it undergraduate pilot training. And why do we call it training? Well, if you think about training, what else do we train? Give you a couple seconds to think. Pilot training. Yeah, I've heard people talk about pilot training, but what other things do we train? Well, it's really basic, but we it's called dog training, right? We don't send our dogs to dog school. We teach them by training them. We also train horses. And we train many other things. We train plants. In all these things, it's a constant, ongoing, application, conforming. And it's one of my favorite verses. It's in Romans 8. It says, 
that we are being conformed to the image of Christ. Well, when you think about conforming or you're training something, you have where you're currently at, like I was joking, civilians, and I'm going to train them into being a pilot. Now, when you train them to be a pilot, I have to teach them to overcome certain fears and tell them that, hey, this is normal to do some of these things that we're doing. And at the same time, I have to teach them certain things and by over and over and over, by constant correction, I have to tell them, this is dangerous. This will kill you. This will um, harm others or this will not accomplish the mission. And so in training, like with a dog or with a horse, it's the constant application the constant over and over and over. And so what we do, and specifically in the T-38s, uh, Charlie is the plane I currently fly. Uh, we fly anywhere between about 60 to 80 sorties. We have 60 to 80 flights. It's not just one or two. And we teach a lot of simulators beforehand, but it's usually it's the training in the air. And what we do in this training is we work through helping develop a mindset. We teach them what is safe. We teach them what is dangerous. We teach them what is most optimal. We teach them what is um, less optimal. We teach them where to look. We teach them what to do. We teach it, well, specifically, we teach it with the, the hands. So I tell the pilots, my student pilots, um, hey, I need you to do this with your left hand. That's the throttle. So I need you to push it up to this 100% we call it mill power, or I need you to bring it to idle, which is basically letting your foot off the gas pedal. So fully, like fully mashing down the gas pedal or off. So I teach them with your left hand, I need you to do this. And with your right hand, I need you to do this. So the left hand or the correction, the, the right hand actually controls the stick or in some aircraft, the yoke. And that's where you push the, the stick down and the airplane goes down. You pull the stick back, the airplane goes up. If I want to go to the left, I turn, I move the stick to the left. If I want the aircraft to go to the right, I move it to the right. So I teach them and I train them over and over and over. Move your left hand this way. Move your right hand this way at this time. And then this time, I need you to do this with your left hand, this with your right hand. But I don't just teach their hands. I teach their eyes. I teach my students, hey, I need you to look here. We fly a lot of formation. We fly two ship and four ship formation, which means I fly with another aircraft within maybe two feet. My wingtip is within two feet of another aircraft wingtip, which is dangerous. But if you do it the right way, it's not dangerous. And actually it's a very, once you've learned how to do it, it's a very um, helpful ability to employ military aircraft in combat, teach them how to fly formation. We teach them how to fly formation a whole mile apart. It's called tactical. It's very hard. But you're teaching them to use their left hand and their right hand, their eyes, their mouth, because they have to make radio calls. We even teach them how to use their ears. And most of all, we teach them to use their mind to prioritize things, to look, to think, to make decisions, to make choices that are wise. And all this is training. And so after a year of them doing this constant training where I'm constantly giving them corrections, constantly saying, don't do it like this, do it like this, constantly over and over and over, we give them the coveted wings and they are they have earned the right to be pilots in the United States Air Force. And on these wings, there's actually a shield uh, that represents the, the United States and then also wings basically saying, I trust you to go fly an airplane safely. 
and not just safely, but well, and to be able to beat and win against the enemy. So all that to training to say, how do I teach them? Well, one of the ways is called the demo do method. So I've been flying airplanes for 16 years. Uh, I have over 3,000 hours in, uh, I think, about 10 different airplanes at this point. I've flown small airplanes. I've flown big airplanes. I've flown the B-52 nuclear bomber. I've flown small Cessnas. Um, I've flown training jets. I've flown business jets. I've flown uh, aerial firefighting aircraft, all sorts of different things. And in all the aircraft that I've taught in, I've been instructor in multiple different airplanes, the demo and the do is one of the best um, instances or methods I use to teach. So what's a demo? So the demo is I'm teaching a student how best to do something. So in formation, so formation is where you're flying two aircraft together. You guys probably have seen the Thunderbirds or the Blue Angels. They'll fly many times six aircraft or eight aircraft in tight formation. So what I'm teaching the student pilot, who is a new pilot, not quite officially yet a pilot, but a student pilot, I will fly and they get to watch. So I will fly and there'll be another student, another instructor in the aircraft, and I will demo. I will show this is how much left hand I'm using how much throttle, this is how much right hand I'm using, this is where I'm looking, this is what I'm doing, and I show them, just like a picture, I show them what it looks like. Specifically, one of the things we demo do a lot is called rejoins. So I'll have two airplanes that might be a mile or three miles apart, and I'll teach how to safely get two airplanes from a mile or three miles apart, get them to two feet apart safely. So it's dangerous, but if you do it, well, it's completely safe. So I will do it. And then I'll say, you have the aircraft. And I will give the controls of the aircraft to the student pilot in the front seat. That student gets the opportunity to then do. And that student will try to do exactly like I just did. Now, usually they don't get it completely right the first time. I'd say they usually get about 85%. Usually they get a B on their first attempt. Sometimes Fs, but usually about a B or a C. And if it's really bad, if they get a D or an F, I'll say, okay, I have the aircraft again. And they'll say, you have the aircraft. They relinquish control back to me. And I'll demo one more time. I'm like, hey, so remember this. It's supposed to look like this. This is what I'm doing. And they'll say, okay, I've got it. I've got it, sir. Cool. And I'll say, you have the aircraft and I'll give it back to them. And then they'll do. So demo do. And we'll do this over and over and over until they get it. Now, I could try to teach pilot training by just teaching them in a classroom. And we do that a little bit. But the most effective way for me to train a pilot is demo do. So what does that look like for you? So maybe you've never flown an airplane, but I bet a bunch of you have had an opportunity to mow a lawn before. So I just had the opportunity to have my nephew uh, visit from out of town. And uh, he had actually never mown a, a lawn before. Um, and I didn't do demo do. I actually just started the mower up and, and my son was mowing with another mower on another part of the lawn. Zion's mowing at 10. And I gave uh, my nephew the, the mower. And um, he didn't do bad, but he didn't do, know what to do. You could kind of see he was kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing with this. And then I realized, hey, oh, yeah, I should probably have demoed this because he hasn't ever seen it before. So I just said, hey, let me have the mower. So I took the mower 
And I mowed back and forth like three or four times and showed him how I overlap a little bit and how I turn it, how I move it, how I do the edges. And then I gave it back to him. And immediately he was able to do it almost as well as I was able to do it. Now I've been mowing lawns for about 30 years. I'm 38 right now. And I started mowing when I was about nine or 10, like my son. So I have more experience, but he was able to almost do exactly what I did just after a good demo. And so that's what I'm going to lead you into. Hopefully you were blessed to have a godly father like I was, who was able to demo many things for me of how to be a man. But maybe you didn't. And maybe you're a boy because you've never seen a man or you've never had a man correct you or teach you or train you. And so I want to leave you with this thought before we transition to some other stuff. But God is truly the perfect father. We're never, um, even uh, in our best attempts, us earthly fathers will, will be bad. But God is the perfect father. And I want to read you something from John. John chapter 5, this is Jesus talking. In verse 19 says, Then Jesus answered, And said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he does, himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the son gives life to whom he will. And so in that verse, it shows that even Jesus, as the perfect son, he looked at the father and he saw what the father did. And because of that, he imitated the father. And in so doing that, he provided an example for the disciples and specifically for the apostles. And I want to point another verse out to you in 1 Corinthians 1. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul, the apostle, is talking to the church of Corinthian. At Corinth. And this is his verse, or this is what he says Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Imitate. There's a saying that more is caught than taught. And it's really the thought that we're really better at doing what we see than even what we're told that we should do. So I spend some time talking to my student pilots, but mostly I try to demonstrate, I try to show them, I try to give them pictures, I try to give them real life examples, I even give them stories. And that's what I want to challenge you. Uh, One of the best books I've ever read about this is Fathered by God by John Eldridge. Uh, He's the guy who wrote Wild at Heart and many other uh, great books on manhood. But in Fathered by God, he points out that we will never find the perfect man on this earth or or anything because God is truly our father. Yet, what I want to challenge you is find the man that you respect the most in your life. If you don't want to stay a boy, go find a man. That might be your pastor. It might be someone that you work with. It might be a teacher. It might be a coach. It might be actually your father. Find that man and learn from him. Ask him questions. Ask him, how did you become a man? Ask him to give you honest feedback. That's one of the things we do in pilot training that I don't think the students like, but it's good for them. 
after every single flight, we get down and I give them a debrief between five and sometimes up to an hour long, depending upon how good or bad the flight went. And I point out every single one of their mistakes. And they, in humility, receive the instruction. And I let them ask questions sometimes. And I try to help them understand where they've made errors. But the truth is that every boy makes errors, and that's understandable. But we're challenged to put away childish things. And we're challenged to become men. Because as a man, we provide and protect spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And so I want to delve into that just a little bit and give you some examples and some practical things. So talking about spiritual, how strong are you spiritually? It's really hard to see on the outside. But if you find a godly man, if you find a man whom you respect, a man who's walking with the Lord, he will give you an honest feedback of your spiritual strength. And then moving on to the emotional, if you find that godly man, especially a man who is emotionally strong, ask him to give you an assessment of how emotionally strong am I? And then the physical, this one's a little bit easier to see with our muscles, but the physical isn't just our physical strength, but actually just it's operating in the physical realm. And once again, if you ask for that advice, you'll get feedback. Now, it's not going to feel good, but I'm not here to make you feel good. I'm here to grow you into a man if you'll submit to my instruction. And my goal is to imitate Christ. And just as Paul says, have you imitate me as I imitate Christ? I'm not saying that I have everything figured out, but the Lord has taught me much. And uh, my goal in this podcast is to bring other men to teach myself and to teach you. I am continually growing. Um, I think one of the greatest aspects of a man is that they're teachable. They're not too prideful to say, oh, I, I know how to do this. I don't need your help. A man actually realizes, yeah, I do need help. So we'll start with the spiritual. So spiritually, one of the ways that you can grow as a provider because you need to provide for yourself, but you also are designed by God to provide eventually for your wife and for your children, for your community, for your church, for your country, for the world. He's called us to have dominion over this earth that goes back to the garden in Genesis. So how do you grow stronger and how do you provide spiritually? Well, one way is to praise and exalt the name of Jesus daily. And last night I was working with my ADT young men and, and I just gave them the example of, um, I just knelt down and I'm like, I'm going to show you how I do it. So I knelt down and I started um, the song Great I Am by Jared Anderson. And it's such a great song because it really focuses on who God is, that he is the I am that he has always been. And it just gives praise and glory to God. And we are designed to praise God. And when we stop doing that, we shrivel up spiritually. But one of the greatest ways we can do it is to work and to grow in praising Him, in, in, in thanking Him. So the example that I gave and something I do every single day, 
just like I work out almost every single day, I do this almost every day, is I just knelt down and I playing the song on my phone and I just start singing along with it. And I praise God. And as I'm singing along, then I, something comes to my mind and I just say, thank you, God, that you are good. I thank you, Jesus, that you are the lion and the lamb that you're seated on the throne. I thank you that you have forgiven me of my sins. I thank you that you are strong and that you are mighty and that you win and that you are my redeemer and that you are the great I am. And, and then I go back to seeing some of the song and I just set my eyes on God and I praise him for the word says he is seated on the praises of his people. And I want God to be with me. And therefore I praise him and I exalt him. And I usually do this for at least five, 10 minutes. Sometimes though, I'll do it for 30 or 45 minutes, depending on how much time I have, or just even where the Lord is leading me. And in that, I get my eyes off myself and I exalt him and I start to have a fear of the Lord. I start to remember, oh yes, Lord, you are so powerful. I start to remember you are the God that 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 split the 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 Red Sea. And I just remember the things that you have done and I I meditate upon what you have done. And and throughout scripture we see that David and all the prophets, they just continually go back to God splitting the Red Sea and him showing his mighty power. So I'll do that for five or 10 or 15 minutes. I'll play that. And I have a few other songs that I'll listen to. Uh, even recently, Jared Anderson has done a uh, night of song where he will lead worship for an hour. And I'll just play that while I just spend time kneeling and just praising God. And that is one of the most practical things that you can do it's more real and more, it is better to do that than to go to the gym and do pull-ups or push-ups. It is more beneficial for you to grow and to provide. And when I do that, I get my heart right before God. I get, I grow in a fear of the Lord. And Solomon said in Proverbs 31, the fear of the Lord, or actually in the end of Ecclesiastes, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So I choose to fear the Lord. Now, Protecting, one way to spiritually protect, really basic, is to pray. And I pray for my wife. And I prayed for my wife even before she was my wife. Um, I'll share one day more about this, but when I was 12, I, I listened to a man talk, a little bear wheeler uh, was his name. He talked about courting. And somehow, Lord, God just stirred in my heart to pray for my wife. And so at age 12, I started praying for my wife, prayed for her purity. I prayed for um, just for her health, for uh, her to be alive, and just prayed for her to wait for me specifically. And I started then. And so you can pray for your wife, even if you're not married now. And when you are married, you definitely should pray for your wife and for your children. Pray for God to protect them. And spend five minutes every day praying for God to protect them, for God to provide them, for God to protect them spiritually, emotionally, and physically, that he may teach them from his word, that he may put godly influences in their life. So those are two ways to grow spiritually, through spiritual strength and be able to provide and protect. So praise and exalt the name of Jesus daily, five to 10 minutes, and then Pray for your wife and your children daily. Okay, the next is emotional. Some of you, especially if you didn't have a great father figure or anyone in your life, you might still be a boy emotionally. Uh, 
And so here's a couple things where you can grow. Believe the truth about what God has said about you. God has chosen you. He has loved you. Going back to just John 3.16, for God so loved the world. You are loved. Uh, I love in Matthew 3 where it talks about the Father saying specifically about Jesus when he comes out of the water. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And the cool thing is the Word says that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past, the new has come. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 7. So we are in Christ to those that have believed. To those of us that know Jesus as our Savior, we are in Christ. And therefore, everything that he says about Christ, that applies to us because we are in him. We are his bride. We are grafted into the body. Therefore, God loves us. He is well pleased in us. He has chosen us. We are precious in his sight. He has called us to be kingdom kings and priests. So the more that you spend time in the word and you believe those things about yourself, you can throw off the junk of the world because the world and Satan is going to tell you, and Satan is real. If you don't believe Satan is real, he is. You need to believe that he is real and that he is going to lie to you. He's going to tell you you're a loser, you're a poser, you're a fraud, you're a fake, you're a weak, you're a failure. You're always going to fail. He loves to destroy us. But the truth is, in Christ, we are more than conquerors. And if you think about in Joshua, the book of Joshua, Joshua is told by God, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? And there's another verse, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. We are called to believe the truth about us, the truth that God has said. And take five minutes to read through verses um, that talk about what God has said about you. Uh, There's a man named Neil Anderson that wrote a book called The Bondage Breaker. And there's all these things that you can just read over. And when you read, don't just read silently. Read aloud and declare them over your life. Just as God declared over his son, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Declare over yourself, I am a child of God. I am holy and dearly in love. I'm seated in the heavenly places with Christ. Declare that. Spend five minutes declaring the truth about yourself. And then another thing emotionally, and this is more going back to being a father and a husband, be physically present in the home. Don't let your job, don't let your hobbies take you too far away from your home. I'm not saying to never work and never have a hobby, but to be physically present in your home, to be there for your children, to be there so they can ask your advice. Just this morning, my son asked me some advice about how to deal with some of his friends. If I wasn't here, he would ask his mom for that. But because I'm here, he's able to receive my advice and able to hear my heart and my love for him. And then lastly, we'll talk about the physical, how to grow physically. One thing, and it goes back to a spiritual thing, but it plays out so much in the physical realm is ask God for wisdom and direction. If you don't know what to do, like even you're like, okay, I'm a boy. God, how do I become a man? Or I'm weak spiritually. How do I grow? Ask God to give you direction. 
ask him to give you wisdom. It says in James that if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask and the Lord will give unto him. So ask for wisdom, ask for insight and trust that God's going to give that. And part of that, one of the ways he might give that is as you pursue other men to be mentors to you, to basically look at their demo, to look at them, to imitate them. As you do that, trust the Lord is going to give you wisdom. So spend five minutes, just like you might spend five minutes doing pull-ups, spend five minutes asking God for direction and wisdom and trust he's going to lead you. Another just thing that is a little bit, um, not as obvious, but to physically, a way to physically provide and specifically to protect your family is where you live matters in so many different ways. Um, the people that you surround yourself with, uh, the neighborhood that you live in, um, I'll give you an example that's a pretty funny one, but I think it's a good one, is um, my brother Keith and Paul, at one point they were both single and they both um, lived in New York City. My brother was going to law school and then uh, my other brother was working in New York. And so they decided to be roommates. And um, in order to keep expenses down, they decided to move into a not so great neighborhood, but being men. Uh, they had one another, and uh, they weren't too concerned about being in that neighborhood. Uh, sadly, at one point, one of them got mugged uh, and lost their phone, and uh, it just wasn't a great neighborhood to be in. Now, that was fine for them in that day, in that season. Um, but then my older brother, Keith, got married, and he wisely chose to move to a neighborhood that uh, would enable him to better protect physically his wife. And some people will spiritually in the church, will they'll focus only on the spiritual things. And I'm like, the physical things matter. Um, for him to move to another place, and it was more expensive, um, but it was a place that she could set up home, that she didn't have to be scared of being mugged. Um, and so where we physically live, where you place your family, um, and even if you don't have a family, where you eventually place your family does matter. Um, it might not be wise to be on a busy, busy street. Um, it would be wise to know the neighbors of that where you live. Uh, I make a habit every single time we move to a new place, and being in the military, we've moved multiple times. I engage, I initiate with all our neighbors. I go and knock on the door and say hi, and I let my neighbors know that I'm there, I'm there to help, but I also let them know that I'm going to stand my ground. Um, I'm the alpha, if you want to use the, the example like in a dog pack, I'm the alpha and in my family, and I'm showing strength. I'm showing physical protection when I engage, when people know that yeah, if you mess with me, you're going to, if you mess with my family, you're going to mess with me. And I'm not a jerk about it, but I show my strength. And uh, I try not to lord it over people, but at the same time, I don't just hide it as well. So those were just a couple little practical things um, to just get you started. But truly my, my prayer and my um, 
my challenge to you is, first of all, do you want to be a man or do you want to be a boy? Uh, I've written an article that's on the website that talks about, are you a boy or a man? I go into this a little bit more, but ask yourself that question. Are you a boy or are you a man? And if you want to be a man, how do you become a man? Well, first of all, you need to seek God. And then next, find other men. And one of my goals with this podcast and with this website and with the whole Arrow School for Men and everything that it will grow into is for those that don't have a father, uh, I would like to um, both share some example, but also share um, with you the men that have helped me grow and to, to tell their stories and to point you to the Lord. Um, there's a verse in the Psalm, Psalm 127, blessed is man who trusts in the Lord. Actually, that's the wrong verse. A man also admits his mistakes. Um, well, it's, it's in Psalm 127. And so I'm struggling with it. So I'm going to look it up, but turning to Psalm 127, um, and hopefully you see that, that I am completely convinced that the word of God is truth. And every day I become more and more convinced of it. And so if you don't read the word, I would challenge you to start there. But in Psalm 127, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he gives his beloved sleep. And this is really what I want to focus on. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. And this verse is one of the, the, the foundations of, of why uh, we're starting the arrow school for men. Each of us as men, we are arrows. And my father has shot out arrows. And my goal and my heart is for you to become a man and to help you be shot into uh, the area of influence that God has called you to, into the family, into being a father, into being a husband, into being a leader, uh, into being strong spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And that that strength will enable you to um, provide and protect for others. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. And so I challenge you to be a man, to be an arrow, and to let the Lord work in your heart. And, um, and I would love to serve in any way I can to help you become a man. And I challenge you to find the men that are already around you. So if you have any questions on our website, there's a place called Ask Zach. Um, so you can uh, email us um, or um, ask questions that way. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And I uh, thank you again uh, for this time. And we'll just close in prayer. Lord, we just commit these words to you. Lord, uh, growing in the fear of you is the beginning of wisdom. And I pray that you would grow these boys into men. May you teach them truth. May you point them towards you 
And may you send them out as arrows into the world to achieve your purpose, which you prepared beforehand. Amen.